Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell, lead pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, in the next few moments, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about sensitivity to the Spirit. Because honestly, what we need is we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which gives us power. But power is different than sensitivity to the Spirit, which gives us direction. So let me just say this. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to challenge you. I want to speak directly to you just in this sense. I want to encourage you to settle in your heart that the baptism of the Holy Spirit's for you. And better yet, it's for you now. Not next week, not next month, not next year. It's for you now. And to rest in that and the, what the Word of God says and to say, God, I believe it's for me and I believe you want to give it to me. And so, Lord, I'm here to receive it and simply open your heart to him and let him fill you with the Holy Spirit. I believe God's going to do that tonight as we're worshiping him. And then as well, just simply to walk with the Lord in a sensitivity to him so that his presence is on us and his spirit is directing us. Every single one of us needs the anointing of the Holy Spirit on our life. We need, we need the grace of the Lord, the hand of God, the presence of God to rest on us, and all of us need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that word anointing means to smear, and it's to smear with oil, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so we want God to just literally cover us with the oil of the Holy Spirit. And you know that when you have oil, it's when you have it on you, it's hard to get off you. I mean, I think we all understand that principle. Um, maybe you've heard me tell this story, but uh, there was a couple, this is several years ago in the church, a couple was having an open house. They had, they had gotten a new home, and so they were inviting several people over to uh, uh, see their new home. And so it was a come-and-go event, and Debbie and I got there, and, and we were kind of in the middle of the event. And so we walk in, and we're admiring their home, and, and they have white carpets everywhere. And all of a sudden, the hostess just in a horrified voice says, who has oil all over their shoes? And so everybody's like, you know, looking at their feet to see who has the oil or the grease. And so I just kind of look and it was me. So, you know, there had been a car in the driveway that leaked oil and it was dark when we pulled up and I stepped in it and I carried it all over the house. I mean, you could see every room I had been in. And so, I mean, obviously we were just like mortified. You're, and you're like, hey, we'll pay for the carpet cleaning. And if you have to buy a new carpet, I mean, we'll, we'll do whatever we got to do to make you right on this. And so, thankfully, the Lord heard the cry of our heart. And the oil all came up and it was all great. But you know, that's what God wants our life to be like. So that literally what happens is wherever we go, we leave a residue. We leave a, a sense of the Holy Spirit. You know, you can, you can go into a home and, and, you know, Debbie and I at different times, we like to go to open houses and just, we're just interested in real estate. We just like to, to see 
what the market's like, and, and not because we're doing anything, but we're just curious. We like, like to do that, look at houses, and then we always talk about what we do and different things. But you can walk in a house, and you can tell what's going on in a house. It's a very interesting thing. Or you can go drive into a town. Sometimes you drive into a town, and you're like, this town, something's wrong. There, you can tell when you go into a home if the Lord is honored. You can go into a home and tell if the Lord isn't honored. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is there in places where he's been honored. And when you and I are in a place and we're with people, have you ever been with somebody and they're really walking with the Lord? And even after they leave, you sense the presence of the Lord and you just want to pray and be in the presence of the Lord. And that's what God wants to do on our life. The Lord wants us to have his presence on us, but more than that, to have his presence be the center of our life. You know, in the Old Testament, when the people of God, when the, the, the nation of Israel camped around the tabernacle, what was, what was happening at the tabernacle? Tabernacle. There was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. It was going to lead them. It was going to guide them. It was demonstrating that God was among them. And in that same way, God wants us to have that kind of consciousness of his presence. So that we're aware of his presence. So that we sense his presence. So that we're following his presence. In John chapter 1 and verse 32 this is John the Baptist. He gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. That's Jesus. He says this, and I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's not enough to have moments where the Spirit of God touches us, the, the key to a powerful life is to have the Spirit of God remain on us. To have him just settle on us. And if we think about that, and we think about having the presence of the Lord on our life, all of a sudden it would cause us to view things differently. We would, we would function differently if we thought the Lord was, was right there. So if I take this, it, it probably is not going to fall off too easy, but if I, if I take this little, this little uh, handkerchief and I put it there, you know, if I want to keep it there, I'm going to have to make sure that I don't turn too quick, that I don't how I move. If I were going to bend down and pick up something, I would move differently, aware of this, saying, I don't want that to fall off. In the same way, it's like that with the Holy Spirit. When we're aware of him, we move differently, we live differently, we talk differently, we think differently. Everything is different because we have a consciousness of the Holy Spirit. We could say in general that two things are, are completely non-negotiable if we're going to have the Lord, his hand on our life. One, we can't grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, we're talking about purity. We need to walk in a purity before the Lord. So we're not doing things with our life that cause him to back off from us. That cause his, him to be uncomfortable with us. 
And I mean, this is in the middle of a list of things. So in, in verse 22, it's talking about, about putting off our old self. In verse 25, it's talking about speaking truthfully. If you're not honest, then you diminish the hand of God on your life. In verse 26, it talks about in, in your anger, don't sin and don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil a foothold. When, when, when you give the enemy a foothold, then what happens is you're grieving the Holy Spirit and you experience less of his closeness and his presence on your life. Or in verse 28, stealing. So if you're, if you're dishonest, or verse 29, unwholesome talk. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building others up that it might benefit those who listen. So if, if you're running people down, if the, if the sum or the, the, the most of your speech is negative about other people and, and you're, you're constantly saying things that are dishonoring to the Lord, you're diminishing the presence of the Lord in your life. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You look in verse 31, and it's, it's don't have any bitterness or slander. If you're bitter, if you're, if, if you're slandering somebody, talking negatively about somebody, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. If there's somebody you haven't forgiven, verse 32. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. I mean, all of these things, there's, if we want the presence of the Lord in our life, there has to be a purity of our, to our life where we're honoring God with our life. Then the second part of that, so there's purity on the one hand and there's power on the other. And that would be don't quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. You know, so, so we're... We're open to what God is doing. We're, we're moving with what he's doing. We're not shrinking back if God tells us, listen, see that person? I want you to go talk to them. They're discouraged. Go do it. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. If you see somebody and you feel God is telling you, go pray for them. Go do it. If God is speaking to your heart to, to call somebody, text somebody, to, to get involved in serving in an area, do it. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. All of those things, those things, so there's purity, there's power, but what I'd like to do is I just briefly want to give you some ways to uh, increase our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit beyond that. Just some simple things that can help us to uh, walk closer to him. Uh, the first would be repentance. And a lot of times people think of repentance as saying you're sorry to God, but really rep sorrow can be a part of godly repentance, but repentance is really different than sorrow in this sense. The, the Greek word metanoiai has the idea of, of changing your mind, changing your thinking. So when we repent, we're changing our perspective. So when somebody comes to Christ, there's a repentance that brings people to Christ. What's happening in that moment is you're hearing that you're a sinner. You're hearing that you need a savior and you never thought it was that big a deal before, but now all of a sudden you've changed your thinking on that. 
and said, oh, all of a sudden I understand because the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. I understand it's a big deal that I give my heart to Jesus. It's a big deal. And when you do that, you've changed your thinking. That's repentance. And you fully acknowledge God. And what happens in that moment is Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 says, when we repent, times of refreshing come from the Lord. But repentance isn't just when you and I are saved. There's the repentance that maintains a relationship with God. And in that sense, I would suggest to you that there are, are some respects where repentance is a lifestyle of every believer where constantly the Lord is, is putting his hand on our life and saying, you, you talk like this in that conversation. I don't want you to do that anymore. And you change your thinking. Or the Lord convicts you about how you view yourself and, and the way you think of yourself, talk to yourself, or view yourself is not in alignment with what the Scripture says about you. And he's saying, I want you to change that. And so you repent. You change your thinking. Sometimes it's a matter simply of, of there are as we grow in the Lord and our sensitivity to the Lord increases, what happens is we are more aware of the things that, that he doesn't want in our life or that are distracting us from pursuing him like he'd like or receiving from him like he would like. So sometimes it's not sinful things, it's just good things that have become too important in our life. And the Lord says, listen, your priorities are out of alignment here, and I will do things in your life if you will reorder your priorities to put me first. You've let other things become too important. I think many times, and I know this is controversial for a lot of people, so um, you can just take it and think about it. I love my family, but I think there is a counterproductive emphasis on the family. And what people have done is they put their family and family time before their walk with God. I think it's disastrous. So like, we go to the lake all summer and spend time with our family. Well, if you go to church, that's one thing. But if you check out on church and you don't have your children in church, you're teaching your kids by way of example that church is second to your own personal desire and pleasure, and that won't work for them long-term spiritually. Now, again, I'm, I'm all for people getting away. I'm all for all that. But I'm just simply saying, or people who, who say, you know, I'm not going to go to church because we're going to have family time, or I'm not going to go to church because i got to get ready for business. What happens is when you do that, your, your priorities are creating an example to your children that leads them away from a devotion to Christ. If we want our kids to know Christ, we've got to, with all of our heart, pursue Christ. And when we pursue Christ with all of our heart, it makes for a better marriage. It makes for better parents. It makes for a better home. It makes for a better business situation. It, it, to honor Christ blesses, results in blessing in every area of our life. 
Well, that wasn't in my notes, but you got it anyway. Okay, number two, worship. Worship brings us into the presence of God, and it brings his presence into our lives. But if I only worship in a corporate setting when I'm with others, I'll have a shallow experience of God's presence in my life. I'm not saying it's not really rich and wonderful to worship in this place. It's powerful, but you need to worship personally with the Lord. Our personal lives have to be one of continuous worship to experience the transformation that you and I long for. And his presence should be, should be more important than ultimately, as we're praying, than the answers that we're seeking from him. In fact, I would suggest to you that as you're spending time with the Lord, the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So start with that. Start with giving God thanks, thanks for what he's done. And really, Jesus has said this, seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And what's he talking about? He's talking about food, shelter, clothing, all the basics. He knows what you and I need. And God comes and says, listen, I'll make a deal with you. You take care of my business. I'll take care of yours. You seek him first, and he'll take care of everything else. To that end, it's actually in your favor and to your advantage, our advantage, if we spend our time focusing more on the Lord and less on ourselves. So evaluate your prayer time, evaluate your life. How, how does that work for you in terms of when you're spending time with the Lord, what does that look like? Is it worshiping him? Is it, you know, uh, I was talking to the students today, and so on my prayer, the way I would pray, there would be, first of all, uh, a significant time given to just worshiping the Lord. And then there's, there's praying for uh, the church and people in the church and people that I have on my list. And then there's, there's uh, additional people that I'm praying for and circumstances I'm praying for. And then the last thing is mine. And honestly, very, very few times do I ever get to the last part of my prayer list, which has to do with me. And I don't worry about it because I know God's got that. He knows what's on that list. And if I never get off the first part of just worshiping him, I don't worry too much about that either. Because to be in his presence is the best thing that you and I can have. And I would suggest to you, if you have 10 minutes to pray, spend eight of them worshiping. You can say, you can ask God about a lot of things in two minutes. But it's worshiping him that moves you into his presence and gives you an awareness of who he is and, and what he wants to do in your life. And then go out of your prayer time and worship, worship him. I mean, what's playing on in your car? What are you listening to? Because if you want to hear the voice of, of God, you've got to turn out, tune out the voice of the world. And I'm not against, I mean, there's a lot of things we can listen to that are, that are morally neutral. So I'm not talking about, about things that would be, that would have immoral undertones. I'm just simply saying, are we, are we sanctifying the Lord in our heart and valuing because much with God, God is much with you. Yeah. 
and creating a lifestyle of worship so that, so that there are moments uh, where you're in his presence throughout the day, which leads me to the third thing. Take a five-minute break and a spiritual break and just be with God. Stop periodically in your day just to be in his presence, especially if you find that you don't sense his presence on your life. Then you really ought to stop. Maybe take 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> listen to this. The psalmist says this. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. And I would suggest to you that God is constantly calling us to talk with him. Not just when you and I have our, our personal time with him, but God is wanting us to walk with him, to talk with him, to do life with him relationally, and he's constantly speaking to you. And if you don't sense the presence of the Lord and you don't have the peace of the Lord, then God is saying, listen, if you'll just spend time with me, if you'll just reconnect with me, if you just set your heart and your mind on me, I'll change both how you feel in terms of his peace and what you sense in terms of his presence. Psalm chapter 16, I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body will also rest secure. David made it a, a practice to daily be before the Lord and to, to be a, a before the Lord often, even during a day. Number four, read your Bible until God speaks. So, you know, hopefully when you pick up the word of God, you do it. I think there's, it's wonderful to create the disciplines. I, I, discipline's a necessary thing. We have to discipline ourselves to do the things that will benefit us spiritually. But hopefully when you're reading your Bible, it's more than an act of discipline. Hopefully when you're reading your Bible, you love, you love your Bible. You love, you look forward to reading the Word of God. That, and I would suggest that if, it's, if you get up and some morning you're, you're not excited about it or, or you, you're, you're struggling with it, just before you open it, say, Lord, this is your Word to me. And this is, this is one of the, the big ways you speak to my life. And so, Lord, I thank you for your Word, and I'm asking you, to help me to love your word more than I ever have before. Watch what will happen in your Bible reading just by praying that prayer. And then as you read the word of God, when you come to that place, because you will, where the scripture jumps off the page. I'm not nearly as concerned, though. I read through the Bible multiple times. I mean, I, I'm constantly want the word of God flowing through me. I'm not concerned about as much about finishing a chapter as I am about when God speaks to me. Stopping and saying, God, what is it you're speaking to me? Often you know. Often the word jumps off and you know what he's saying. And at that moment, stopping long enough to interact. In fact, what I do is I underline it and I make a note on it, and, 
And then in my prayer time, I go back to it and I just sit there and think about it and say, Lord, you're obviously, this is what you're saying to me today. How does this apply? Sometimes it's about, it turns out it's about something I'm going to encounter that day or that week, or, or it's things that, that speak to my frame of mind. But God wants, God wants to sensitize us to his presence and he does it through his word. Well, number five, ask God to give you a listening heart. If I were going to put on my own personal list, the number one thing, the number one thing on my top, the top of my list is God, give me a listening heart. Give me wisdom. That's what it is. Solomon said this that night. God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. If God said to you tonight, what do you want? Ask for whatever you want, and I'll do it. What would you ask? Would you ask for money? Would you ask for a mate? Would you ask for, what, what would you ask for? And there's nothing wrong. If you, need, if you need finances and you're in trouble, I get why you would ask that. I'm just saying that better than the finances to meet an obligation. And listen, I've been in a situation where I desperately needed finances to get to meet an obligation. So I don't want anybody to think, well, you don't know what it's like, or you wouldn't be talking like that. I do know what it's like, but I also know there are some things that are worth more than money to meet a bill, even if it, if it means a desperate circumstance for you. Better than having money to meet the bill is having an ear that hears God speak to your heart to direct you in that situation. Solomon says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I might lead this people for who's able to govern this great people of yours. In the book of 1 Kings, parallel passage, here's what I want. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well. God, let me hear your voice. Because if I can hear your voice, I'm going to make decisions that are going to lead to your blessing in my life. I mean, that's wisdom is, is not only the ability to practically apply God's, God's word in our situation, but it's the ability to hear God's voice in a way that leads us into his will for our life, right? And God wants to give, he wants to give us a listening ear. That's what wisdom is. The problem is sometimes, you know, and I, 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 the issue is never God is not speaking, though there may be, if there's sin in your life, if there is habitual sin in your life, there can come a time when God is silent. The answer to that is to repent, to change your thinking about, to say, rather than say, I can't help it, no, change your thinking. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Rather than saying, I don't think it's that big a deal, change your thinking. No, it's a big deal. It silenced the voice of God in my life. That's a really big deal. I, I need it. No, I need him. Change your thinking. And in that moment, what happens is you change your thinking, you repent, and you start hearing the voice of God. For other people, it's a matter of you've got too many voices. It's like you're sitting in, in Arrowhead Stadium with a thousand, with 70,000 voices. You've got 
you've got so many, so much noise in your life, you can't hear that still small voice. For others, it's God is speaking. He's just, he's just wanting you to lean in. He's wanting you to press close. God speaks. I'm telling you, he does. But if we want to walk in a sensitivity to his presence, it is imperative that we hear his voice and that we, we learn to sense the moving of his spirit, the prompting of his spirit, the leading of his spirit in our life. Because God wants to work through you. God wants to work in you. God wants to work around you. And all of that starts with you and I being sensitive to him.